0: This is episode 107 of Reconcile the Isle.
1: What on earth is going on? Rocket man. Puerto Rico. Russia, 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 Russia. Eight accusers. Several allegations. Thousands of cases. Charlottesville. Horrific shooting. Deadly school shooting. The third
0: deadly mass shooting in a week.
1: Category four. California wildfires.
0: Entire ecosystems are collapsing.
1: Government shutdown. I've never seen this country divided like this. This is astounding to me. Reconcile the Isle.
0: Welcome to Reconcile the Isle, where my characters and I are figuring out how we can have meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. My name is Lauren LoJudice. Today, we're talking about creating an impression. I'll share about how I created my Melania Trump impersonation, and then we'll welcome special guest MJ Trump. Now, I'm about to drop my book Inside Melania, what I learned about Melania Trump by impersonating her. And there's a part that I didn't specifically spell out in the book that I'd like to talk about here. People create characters in different ways and it results in a different product. And some people differentiate between an impersonation, and impression. And here, to me, it's it's all one. Um, Some People's work is slanted more to the other. I'm just going to kind of talk about it all in one. And everyone's approach doesn't make someone better or worse. And I'm sharing my experience here. And I'm not trying to say I'm the ultimate expert. Everyone's got their way. And it's cool. I'm simply one actor and comedian showing you how they do it. Now, I don't usually just take up a character and put it on stage. People make recommendations to me all the time. You need to do blank a blank. Okay, great. Goes on my list. Maybe later I'll get to it. Because I just don't like throw on a wig and then make a video and then go on stage. It's just That's not how it happens. I have a process that takes months. So when I commit, I really commit. And the first thing I do is I try to just get like to know everything about the character, So if it's a real person like Greta Garbo, I did a few years ago, I wrote a play about her, or Melania Trump, who I'm doing now, I try to read everything I can get my hands on, things I can watch, videos, books, articles. Actually, for Melania, I have her on Google Alerts. So I literally know every single thing, every single news item that comes through, I read about it. And now if this character is not a historical character, like my character Judy, Then I try to just get to understand the world that they find themselves in. Judy is a former lesbian feminist, so I was watching and reading a lot of books about the 1970s and the politics, political framework, and the community that she came from. I just really want to try to understand as much as I can. To be informed, to me, is very important when I create a character. Then I start to write. And as I'm writing, I'm thinking about, what's my take? What is this person trying to say? What do I want to say? What am I trying to parody? And writing takes form. Sometimes I'm improv and then I listen to the recordings and then sketch them down and then improv again. Sometimes I'm just rewriting. Sometimes I'm like writing very structured sketches. It depends. Now, I often find that my take often has to do with something that I'm feeling. This character is expressing something deep about what I'm trying to process, go through, there's always some sort of personal connection that has to do with the characters that I choose to portray. And especially because my process does take a while and is pretty intensive. There definitely is something that, that I'm learning about myself along the way. A lot of actors talk about this um, to either say that they are on board with this or not. And A, everyone's different. Now around this time, I will join up with other people. Because it's really important to get your work to other in front of other eyes. I might look at a coach or a class and I want to run these things in front of other people and I want to understand what they're seeing and who this person is to them. That's the most important thing. Everyone has a taste thing, so if they like it or not isn't really important as to understand what they're perceiving. Then I get ready to shoot some videos and I try to keep the first ones rather simple And I look at the script, and then I start to go through it more as an actor at that point. Um, Obviously, I'm still a comedian. I'm understanding, like, where the jokes are and how I need to hit them. I use a few different things. I use lucid body technique, which is something that Faye Simpson started. And I also work privately with Pratheryam and Catherine Willis on some characters. And it's a way to look at the psychology, the inner psychology of a character, so at that point, we're trying to understand where they're coming from and what they want and how that's affecting basically, I guess, their energy centers for a lack of um, other terms that I won't go into now. Now, this, as is for, I go through rehearsal, it informs the writing. I'm learning a lot about the character. And also when you start to read things out loud and rehearse them, you understand the writer brain gets involved and says, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. And then I go in, make shifts and changes. It kind of one I have to go back and forth between being writer and being the comedian actor and it's a it's a skill you have to hone when sometimes you need to leave the writer out of the room and sometimes you need to bring the writer in to help you and a lot of my characters have accents and people approach this in different ways now if it's a like a down the line accent like mary poppins when i did principal mary poppins say takes on u.s education i brought in a dialect coach because that was a straight down the line rp dialect, and I just wanted to hit it and get it crisp and done. My whole entire script was scored to make sure I got the RP. Now, some characters are more international. They've taken bits and bobs of different accents throughout their life. Greta Garbo was one, and so is Melania Trump. Her accent is not strictly down the line Slovenian, so that means that I am more modeling her, and so I'm listening to a lot of tapes. I will hone in on one tape and then I will memorize a passage and I will just go over it over and over and over again. And again, as I'm learning the accent, that and the way of speaking and the pauses, all of that helps inform the inner character as I'm doing that. Now, most of my characters move very differently than I do. And so I have to think about that. And occasionally I'll bring in a movement coach. For Melania, I did that. And this is something I talk about in the book. It's really funny. Some of the discoveries we made. Barbara Mahler is someone I work with in New York. She is a genius. And we watched some tapes of Melania moving and worked on how to integrate that into how I was moving. And again, this is starting to inform the character more and more. That informs the character, the acting, and then the writing. My first shoot day is going to be super simple. I'm going to keep the video super short, super easy, because I'm trying to understand what I'm doing with this character. What are people seeing? What are they responding to? I want to be really cognizant of that. And as I talk about on an IGT video, the people I'm watching, the responses are people who support me. I don't listen to the trolls. I delete and block the trolls. And I don't listen to people who haven't really hung around my internet space and want to come on in and give their big fat opinions. Uh, We wouldn't without really respecting what I'm trying to do. So... I only listen to people who support me, and I'm really really interested to know what they're thinking and feeling. I also try in this to get on stage. Melania is someone I've really brought her on stage. I actually do stand-up in character as Melania Trump, so she has really gotten into the live experience. And that changes the character. It informs the writing and also helps me understand how people perceive them and how then, through that perception, how then they can make them laugh. It helps me understand the rules of her world more, what she will say, what she will not say. And then, of course, there's the costume and props, which are so much fun. And all of my characters have one costume. It's my private joke and a joke that people who follow me like. Princess um, Carmela Ravoli has had the same track suit for the entire time that I've worked on her, but it's how I like to do it. A lot of the costume and props are icing on the cake for this other work that I'm doing, but for me, I really, really enjoy bringing them together and making them very, very specific to who that person is and bringing out something about them, that in a visual way. And a lot of people will say, wow, you get yourself to look so different. You look like a completely different character every time. I mean, even in your actor headshots, you look so different from one to the other. And to them, I say, thank you. Now, throughout this whole process, I think a lot about what I'm portraying. You know, does this align with my mission to open people's hearts and minds through comedy? Does this feel honest to the character? Is this the funniest take and most original perspective of this character that I could present to the world? Now, not everyone does this. And listen, that's fine. They do them. So now we're going to listen to an interview between my character Melania and impersonator MJ Trump, Michael Filato. And you'll see that the different processes create something totally different in the world. Before we go to it, here's a bit about M.J. Trump. M.J. Trump started the week before Halloween 2015 doing Trump, I assume. Hearing comedian Ben Stein, that he once wrote speeches for Nixon, M.J. started writing a tall tale as future President Trump at Toastmasters. It was an advanced manual public relations crisis management speech. His club president said that it was like a Saturday Night Live skit. He encouraged MJ to do it again and again. Halloween came later that week. MJ worked the door with Sandy Duncan. Wig turned backward and the insane improv couldn't be stopped. Everyone loved the Donald and wanted their picture taking. Insulting people was natural for MJ being a Yankee transplant. Growing up in the North, New Jersey and Virginia helped MJ take to the role like a fat beaver to fresh wood. Next was winning club and area tall tales contests and humorous speech contests at both levels as M.J. Trump. January 2017, M.J. Trump hit the comedy clubs and started booking private events. M.J. Trump is full of contagious positive energy with over 400 performances. M.J. is on his fifth wick, and the feature looks absolutely huge. He hopes to someday get 55 minutes on HBO. All right, so let's go to the interview between my character, Melania Trump, and MJ Trump. Thank you so much um, for joining me on Reconcile the Isle. Michael, or MJ, what what should I say?
1: Well, uh, there's a million Michaels out there, so I go by MJ. It just makes more sense uh, for me. Joseph is my middle name, so I I worked at a job one time, and I was hired by a Michael. His son, Michael, was running the office. Someone in the background said, what's your middle name? I said, Joseph. They said, you're MJ. And it's been seven years, and it's stuck, and it, it, it works pretty well.
0: And so, MJ, you are not only MJ of the MJ, you're MJ of the Trump, too. Tell us about that.
1: Uh, MJ Trump is just the funnest persona to do. Um, it, it came about in Toastmasters uh, several years ago. I was doing an advanced manual called public relations one of the projects was a crisis management so i heard ben stein had the comedian ben stein was had you know been previously a speechwriter for president nixon so i wanted to write a speech for the president and trump was just toying around with running you know he hadn't announced anything yet so i bought a red hat and wrote a speech where kim jong-un launched missiles towards the united states and then i had it was a crisis and then what are you going to do to solve it so i uh you know i used the ronald reagan star wars system you know we still had it It, it's huge uh you know so it was a really cool speech and then the club president said hey that was like daryl hannon on, on saturday night live do it again do it again i encourage you to do it again so i was a member of three different toastmaster clubs at the time so i i did it a couple more times then halloween came around like a week later and uh I bought a Sandy Duncan wig and a blazer at Goodwill and I got to work the door. And I'm from Jersey. So insulting people comes natural to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say I took to the role like a fat beaver in a wet log. You know, there, there, there was a uh, one, one guy that was Frankenstein and I had him Frankenstein with Dow syndrome. Oh my God. How'd you do the makeup on your neck like that? You know, I'm so surprised the guy didn't punch me. Uh, I had Wonder Woman in tears because you know, she was flat chested.
0: <laughs> oh, you had her tears of joy? No, tears of anger. No,
1: oh, no, she, she uh, I, the poor woman was crying because she, she, I insulted her. And even the boss had said, hey, hey, you don't got to be Trump, you know. <laughs> well, isn't
0: that her fault? She can get that taken care of. It's 2019 implants. Okay. So, how long ago was that?
1: That was 2015, I guess, October the 1st. I, I found my old Toastmaster manual uh, and it said two, October 16th, 2015 was the first time I did Trump. I've, I've done all the presidents, you know, just goofing around with buddies, you know, drinking in the garage or whatnot. But I, I've got this Trump down. I've done it over 300 performances now and, uh, you know, I'm on my fifth wig. So, yes. uh, you know, things, things are huge.
0: It's huge. Oh, well, so this, from what you've talked about with me, is that it has changed our life a bit in many ways. For one, you have a different job now, right?
1: Well, I was a, uh, you know, realtor would uh, just concentrate on apartments. They call us apartment locators. You know, I was not in an office and things, but uh, I, I guess due to a combination, I had an operation in November and December. I really wasn't in the office but that much and january america's got talent came to town so i was doing every open mic every show i could squeeze into uh just wasn't going to work you know and uh they hired some new people and somebody else is sitting at my desk in february my boss packed my stuff because i was just too busy performing and having a good time even after that operation it was funny i had a performance six days later i didn't know if i could walk or not and uh and I was, like, calling the hotel, was at the Omni Hotel in San Antonio. I was calling the hotel, hey, do you have a wheelchair? You know, I was going to have them do an announcement, you know, a couple minutes before I go up. You know, this, the president has been shot, you know. <laughs> and then I was going to have them wheel me out in the wheelchair. But, you know, uh, thankfully, adrenaline kicked in, and I didn't need the wheelchair, so we, did, we didn't have to go with that. But that was our backup plan is uh, that they, 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 they wanted me to perform either way, so. Oh,
0: wow. And so you make your then you're living off doing comedy of the
1: trumps. Well, it, it's it, it, it's kind of like a threefold thing. Uh, I'm, I'm getting paid well to do Trump. I just, you know, sometimes one month, it'll be five gigs. Another month, it'll be one gig or two gigs. You know, mm-hmm. so I drive Uber a little bit in between. And then I still do a little bit of apartment locating some months are better than others and again not being in the office not having a desk I don't get company leads I don't get uh, walk-ins or phone calls from that but I've been doing it for 7 years so I have a pretty strong referral network so I get two or three referrals a week and there's a lot of people that I used to you know I moved more than two and three times so so that works but lately I've been getting some really good gigs that, that have been paying extremely well so that really, really helps. And, and the future is just looking huge because, you know, we're getting ready to kick into Christmas season. Yes. A lot of people that have hired me over the years, so they want me to do their Christmas party. So I'm really looking forward to October, November, December.
0: And what kind of people hire you to do the jobs?
1: Well, mainly it's uh, business businesses, corporations like the uh, the office manager will sometimes hire me. Sometimes it's lawyers. Uh, I did an event, a roast for an oil company in Houston. I was Roastmaster. Uh, that was just a fun event. Instead of doing stand-up for 10 or 20 minutes, I just hosted the whole event for like an hour and a half. And uh, all that, you know, lampooning just came out. You know, some of it was scripted. A lot of it was just n- improv. Yeah, that was just so much fun. But usually it's business businesses, managers, sales managers. Or spouses, a lot of times, the husband or the wife but my husband is a, a big Trump fan. Or uh, I had a couple millionaires hire me for each other, uh, you know, so the Democrats, you know. Uh, he's a devout Democrat. We want to send Trump to his table at lunch, you know. <laughs> so, so do you
0: feel in the end that you are promoting the Trumps or are you demoting Trumps?
1: I do those? a positive impersonation of, of the president, of, you know. Love or hate the POTUS, my comedy is well-received by all. You know, sometimes I'll go up and I'll hear boos and stuff like that in the beginning, you know, from naysayers. But you know what? M.J. Trump turns boos into USA chance.
0: So now, what do you mean a positive impersonation? What does that mean?
1: Oh, uh, I won't take a gig where they say we want you to make the president look bad. Or, you know, we hate the president and, you know, we want you to just make fun of him and, and stuff like that. I won't take that kind of a gig. I've, I've had several offers for that. Uh, I want to do comedy that's neutral. Like my opening my opening joke, breaking news, Taco Cabana is going to pay for the wall. You know, basically everyone laughs at it. You know, depends on what part of the country Taco Bell is going to pay for the wall. You know, it, it's it's not dogging the president. It's funny. You know, so I call it pretty neutral, but there you know so sometimes I'll do a like I have a Forrest Trump impersonation, and you know, I love Forrest because you know he he listens to his mama. you know, I think the first joke there is you know, uh, Mama always used to say, stupid is as stupid does, and here I am. So I don't know if I'm making fun of the president doing that or not, but it's funny and everybody laughs. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I see, yeah. I see.
0: So then it has also changed because of the comedy and the way you're doing it for the Trumps, making it a positive impersonation. That has affected your life, right?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. My, my father does not appreciate or approve of the comedy, which is crazy, you know, because if everybody else is liking it, I mean, mostly Democrats, hire me. you know, uh, some positive You know, some pro Trumpers hire me, but a lot of times, um, you know, I've been hired like almost uh, like by the city or or government and whatnot. And then somebody tries to shut it down right before, you know. So mostly the uh, like Democrats or naysayers will hire me just just for fun, you know. And like my father, he and I sent him a tape in the beginning and he was like, because I I was doing it at Toastmasters just in the beginning. He was, he was so negative, such a big naysayer, and, you know. And he's not—he doesn't like Trump whatsoever, but which surprises me that he doesn't like my act. He just thinks that, you know, uh, oh, the people that you're doing that in front of—they're uh, not going to appreciate it. And and then if the, if the powers that be get a hold of what you're doing, they're going to kick your door in, like you know, like they did for Michael Cohen and stuff.
0: <laughs> so he doesn't talk to you because he's afraid that something bad will happen that the democrats will do something to you or the republicans will do
1: something to you i think he's just where he thinks the irs
0: <laughs> the irs of all the so th- does he think our, our, that the trumps our, my trumps our, is going to sick the irs on you
1: yeah, yeah i don't know about the irs but whoever you know the fbi or or one of the cia or you know, he just thinks that you know that 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 they'll shut me down, you know, or or something, which is absolutely ridiculous. They could care less about me. I'm quite sure. And you know, they it,
0: don't talk to you anymore, right?
1: Well, we talk, you know, but when we talk, he doesn't go into a whole lot of, you know, because he thinks he thinks I should get a real job, getting paid, you know, thousands of dollars to to do this for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, a half hour, or whatever it is. Ain't a bad job. <laughs> yes, no, not bad. Ain't a bad job, you know, as long as I can supplement it with a little bit of this and that when I'm not not doing Trump, but you know, in the beginning there, you know, for a while, you know, he wasn't talking to me and I had to come, you know, come clean with him, you know, like coming out, you know, dad, you know, hey, I'm not gay, but I am a Trump impersonator. And you know, then he told me, "I know, son. Your sister's told me. We saw a picture. We saw a picture last Christmas and uh it's affected a few things like with Toastmasters also. You know, I, I, I want to be – I am, am going to be a future world champion public speaker. You know, I've been a motivational speaker, and, and I've been in Toastmasters seven years and, and competed in several contests. You know, I've won some humorous contests and tall tales contests as Trump at club level and area level. But once you get past those two levels, there's district there, and, there, and there, there's division and then district. Once we go to the division level, there's a lot of older Toastmasters that just don't think politics should be involved with Toastmasters. I got to the, the division contest, and uh, it was mostly older ladies that just, you know, I couldn't get a vote. I made a joke back then. It was just Mexicans, Trump couldn't get a vote, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it was mostly it was older women that, you know, they did not appreciate me doing politics at Toastmasters. I've been involved with several clubs in our area. There's one or two clubs that just love it. They want me to do Trump every time I come in there. If I come and do a normal speech, they'll ask me for a Trump joke.
0: Do they like you know? Trumps? Do they are they supporters of Trumps or not supporters of Trumps? The one who wants you to do it?
1: Um, like I said, there's different clubs. I've got a couple of couple of clubs that love it. Like I'm involved with Clear Channel. I was Clear Channel Toastmaster of the Year a few years ago in I've, that, that, that was my home club for like three years. And yeah, I would do Trump bits there very, very often. It was all younger people, you know, loving it, all fans. Some of them would come to my shows in town when they could. And uh, I've even had a couple of them do secret service for me. And, and, you know, it was just a very positive, no problem environment. And, you know, like I said, they were a lot more younger and, uh, and then there's the other clubs where, and, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a strict no-no, you know, politics is, is not, I mean, even not doing my uh, Trump, uh, like I, I'll teach comedy at Toastmasters and if I even touch politics, whether it's Trump or not, I'll get a note, you know, well, this club does not appreciate politics involved. We call them curmudgeons.
0: <laughs> In the end, do you think you make people like my Trumps smart or do you like him, not like him as much?
1: Very good question, because a lot of times uh, when I'm I'm doing networking, you know, as a realtor, uh, I do a lot of networking and such. And when people hear I do Trump, some of them will, you know, frown off a little bit, but then I'll tell them a joke. And once they hear a joke, it's like, wow, that's funny. You know, or, or you know, they're like, you know, wow, you do the lips really good. Or, wow, you've got the voice down. You know, so to answer the question, it's it's like at first a lot of people there are the the naysayers, you know, they're like, no, nah, this this guy's doing Trump bubble. But then if they hear it or if they see the act, like my ex boss, he was on the Trump train for about two weeks when Trump first started running, and then uh, you know something happened and he got on the uh, the the anti-Trump train. And then, you know, he was like, MJ, cut that stuff out. You know, oh, you're messing around, you're wasting time, all this, right? And then I did a show in in town and he came to the show and he was like, wow, MJ, you're the real deal. And he then he was a fan for about six months until I started missing a lot of work, being yes. out of town, doing shows.
0: So he's not a fan of Trumps and he's a fan of you. But do you think because when he sees your comedy that he likes the Trumps more?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, Definitely.
0: So you find yeah. that when you impersonate the Trumps, that it actually changes people's minds to like the Trumps more.
1: I'm not sure if the, the naysayers, you know, when they got that solid opinion of, you know, I, I just don't really understand why there's all that hate out there in the world. You know, I was raised support the president, whether whoever he is, you know, I was, I'm ex-Air Force military you know, and it was, you know, the, the president is the president, you're not going to change it for four years, you know, if, you know, you got another shot every four years to vote for him or against him, you know, let him, let him, let him try to do some good, you know, especially right now, we got one year left, give him a chance to, you know, do some good. And, uh, you know, I don't understand why everybody wants to hate, you know.
0: And some people in your family don't understand why you would make him look better, right? You have your your sister as well, correct?
1: Yeah, my sister, uh, which is really crazy because one of my sisters, she used to go to Trump Casino all the time, and uh, I did a video for her birthday. I do birthday videos for people that you know can't fly me in for this reason or the other, mostly budgetary, but I do a lot of videos for anniversaries or birthdays or whatnot, and they're just the funnest thing to do. All I need is like a short paragraph about the person, but I, I was doing one for somebody and I knew my sister's birthday was coming up, so I did a video for her. And I was like, you know, Anna, I can't understand why you don't support the Trumpster. You know, I I put you up at my casino free nights. I've given you, you know, you've won lots of money from my machines. I've given you T-shirts, you know, so I clothed her, you know, I gave her money. I I put her up for free and she's still negative.
0: You know, and she's still so, negative towards you or
1: what exactly? Oh, no, 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 toward Trump. No, no. Oh, she loves the character. She loves the character. But she'll say things like, you know, Trump's, uh, you know, an idiot and, and he's an imbecile and guy the guy, you know. I have two sisters. One, another sister even went with me when she came down visiting. One time she went with me to a, a gig in Austin. And she was all, you know, super happy for the character, but she still couldn't you know, hold back from saying bad things about Trump, you know, so. Just seeing my act doesn't change their oppression of the president, you know, because uh, again, they're both really diehard naysayers. And yeah, it's hard to change that opinion.
0: So, how do you feel that your act creates? Because what we try to do at Reconcile the Isle, we're talking about, to people about how they can learn to talk about difficult issues without just start resorting to you stupid you moron um how do you think you've done that let's say just even within your own family can you have conversations about difficult things
1: <laughs> i've learned it's best to avoid those conversations because yeah they just won't you know they don't they don't budge I mean, I try to engage, you know, like my dad was like, I bankrupted four companies and this is in that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, dad, money people have money problems, you know? uh, Yeah, I think, shoot, bankrupt the country if you want. It doesn't matter. Then we don't have to pay China a dime, right? So money people have money problems. Uh, Just, you know, I guess my dad's never experienced bankruptcy or never had any problem with money or whatever, but. And, you know, bankruptcy is a part of a business. So what? It wasn't Trump that did it. It was the business, not Trump. I don't see where people are calling him an idiot. He may talk left and right at the same time. But you know what? So does my stepmother. She's 80 years old. She might say one thing and the next, the next day, she doesn't remember what she said. She mispronounced words. But you know what? I still love my stepmom.
0: But these beliefs have also caused havoc in your family. So do you find that it's worth it?
1: Oh, well, you know, (laughs) we live a thousand miles away. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm not going to stop. I mean, it's something fun to do. It's part of me, you know.
0: Yes. So do you think then, do you believe that comedy can create conversation, its ability to create some sort of conversation?
1: Um, It creates a lot of conversation with my oldest sister um she's a doctorate of human performance enhancement which means she knows everything right she comes up with you know ideas on you know what you can do to change it everybody has their own ideas i would say some of her ideas are great you know but not all of them you know because everybody loves their own ideas but you know she's a few jokes for me you know or or beefed up a joke or two you know that that it actually worked here and there but you know, she's, she's a big critic, you know, no matter what you do, I'll have 300 people say they love something and she'll be the one that says, well, you shouldn't do that joke, you know, and I'm going to judge it on if the people laugh or not, you know, so it's the same thing with my son, my son. Anytime my son, and I'm at the kit- coffee table or the kitchen table practicing a routine or jokes I'm writing, you know, I, like, I write almost every day, uh, every time that the president's on TV, I watch him and I'm, I've got a pen. Or I watch Bill Maher because he's so critical, you know. And I'll, I'll get ideas of jokes, and I'll be practicing them every time my son says no, don't do that. I try it on stage, and it's a hit. <laughs>
0: hmm. Well, how old is your son?
1: I have a twenty-year-old son.
0: Does he, well, he like? He, does he like my Trumps?
1: No, he 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 he's one of these. Uh, he's in college, so you know he's polluted by I guess the college atmosphere or whatever. And he's like Trump's an idiot. And I asked him, what do you base that on? And he doesn't really have an answer. But he's come to one or two shows, you know, he's out there laughing. You know, he's a mad scientist, so he's all into this science stuff and everything. So, But uh, every time he – I just love it. You know, I'll try a joke out. And if he says not to do it, I'll try it out, you know, at a, at a, at a club or an open mic or even at, at a at a gig. And nine times out of ten, what he said don't do is outrageous, and uh, they just laugh. So. He's a good meter. If he says he likes it, it might not be that good.
0: <laughs> so, so I guess we can never accuse you of being like George Carlin. You don't do the comedy for social awareness and to you just you just try to get laughs however you can, and that's it.
1: Yeah. Well, basically, yeah. Yes. I mean, if, it, if it's funny, it's going to get a laugh. If it's not funny, and and you know, I, I use the rule in the comedy bible. You know, if you got three audiences in a row that aren't laughing. 86 that joke or change it
0: yes yes
1: that happened with a bill Cosby joke uh over the years um I had a Bill Cosby joke that you know people were going ah uh, you know and uh you know so then I turned the whole joke around and, and and made the audience do the punchline instead of me doing the punchline and it, it kind of worked for a while you know and then you know instead of them going oh when I say Bill Cosby I'd have them do Bill Cosby as the punchline. You know, I, I had a whole setup for it where, you know, hey, guys, want to do a punchline? The, the punchline's Bill Cosby. Then I'd tell the setup, and then I'd have them do the punchline you know, with me asking them a question. Then, I, then I, I turned it around on the audience and said, oh, you guys are awful. Hmm. And then they would laugh. But uh, I think I've dropped that whole bit, uh, you know, because I mean, there's just too much other stuff happening since Bill Cosby.
0: Yes. You're on your fifth wig. Tell us about that.
1: It's really hard to get a good Donald Trump wig. You know, I think I need to go to custom wigs fairly shortly here because, like, the first wig, and I bought it, uh, it was Halloween day when I decided I was going to be Trump that night. And uh, I just went to Party City and got us, like, a Sandy Duncan wig and turned it backwards or sideways, trimmed a little bit of it, and, yeah, it looked really kind of gnarly. And uh, (laughs) – but, you know, it, it was no doubt it was a blonde wig you know, and, uh, it looked kind of, you know, really bad, but it, again, you know, for, for the first time you're out there doing it, it didn't really matter. Everybody loved it. Everybody wanted their picture taken with me no matter what, you know, so then I bought a, you know, a Donald Trump wig off the internet and I bought a, it was okay, but it was a little thick and it seemed like I was wearing it si- backwards or sideways or something to make it look better. You know, it, it was really thick and I, I remember I used to always be in the restroom, you know, the bathroom, trying to fix it, you know, before going up on stage for 10 to 15 minutes. And then uh, somebody yeah, from the newspaper, you know, I was trying to get him to write an article about me. Um, he, he was like, hey, look, I, uh, he shot, sent me a picture of him in a different wig. He said, get this wig. You know, he told me where to get it. And it was the, the billionaire Donald wig or something like that. And uh, so I got that wig and that wig looked pretty good. For a while, you know, and in all these wigs you get off the internet, you got to tease them, you got to work with them, you got to spray them, you got to take care of them. So I like that third wig. I- I'm liking that, but I bought the same, I-, I bought another wig that was very similar, my fourth wig, and it's, it's almost similar, but both of the wigs have one little quirk in them one way or the other. But then I was looking at Donald's head and, you know, he's got a big quirk in the back of his head too, so... What is the
0: secret to this special look? How do you get it?
1: Uh, you got to try to get that wig to agree with you, and you just got to work on it for a while to get that little pompadour effect, you know, or that, that like little, you know, like Bonzarelli has that little, the way, just the way it curls up in the front, you know, and stands up a little bit, you know, uh, I guess the rooster effect. You got to work with it a bit. And then uh, I also found, you know, getting, uh, having a good uh, wig. You know, I uh, I guess the the styrofoam dummy that you put the wig on and now I'm putting a little uh, a, like a shower cap over the wig and keeping it in the nice wig case. And that helps a whole lot versus, you know, you know, so when you get there, uh, usually lately I only need about four or five minutes. And then I do not ever hardly ever get ready in a bathroom again. Like the first year I was doing this, I used to go in the men's room and get ready and all that. But I've done it so many times. I just sit at the table, get out my mirror, get everything out right at a table. I'll sit in the back corner or some 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 places will have another room or, or if I go to a house, I'll just ask for, a, you know, a bedroom or something. And, you know, I, I, I love it when you're in a club or a restaurant and you, you go to the back corner and you just start talking. Yeah, I'm going to do an interview with somebody filming, you know, turning from Michael M.J. Pilato into M.J. Trump. Well,
0: well, you know, what to- do you do? What are the things you do to get into the M.J. Trump.
1: Well, generally, I start throwing out a couple of absolutely fantastics. Okay, we're going to get my makeup out. Um, I have a a small mirror. I open my uh, wig kit, you know, get the wig out, take the – you know, get the – it's like the head. I don't know what the exact word we call it, the doll head. Uh, I'll get the doll head out and uh, take the shower cap off, tease the wig a little bit. I like to get some water. I always ask for some water without ice. You know you gotta tease that wig a little bit. Sometimes you use you know a tool or two or the back of a makeup brush or something. Just tease a little bit. you know pot it down, get everything loose, all flowing in the right spot. Sometimes I'll spray it, you know, and then get it looking right. Now while that's drying and while that's setting there, um, I'll start working on my face. I'll do my base. Sometimes I'll use an orange makeup crayon and then I'll just smear it and rub it in everywhere. And sometimes I'll use the powder with the with the makeup brush then i'll come in with a white eyeliner and i like some some gigs i'll go really pronounced or really thick with the white on my above the eyes and then below the eyes i'll, I'll blend it in a little bit you know sometimes i won't blend it in i'll make it look like football you know just a big white under there but mm-hmm. you know, lately i've been blending it in trying to look a little 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 better
0: well so mm-hmm. where, how do you decide if you're going to do the the blend or no blend
1: it just depends on the crowd you know uh, if i'm if i'm doing a a paid for a gig i always try to blend it and, and you know make it look mo- the best and most professional if i'm just doing a, a open mic or something which i don't do very many of anymore but you know sometimes i'll just do it just overtly you know just for personification you know just the white there you know mm-hmm. and then a lot of times it depends on what the makeup is bent through also it's very hot here in Texas, so I've gone to a couple places, and my my stuff was in the back of my trunk, you know. And that, now the white was all melted. <laughs> mm. So, like, that's the day I said, "Okay, we're going football style here with the white."
0: Mm. Now, where do you usually perform?
1: I perform most of the time. I'm performing at a restaurant or a banquet hall, or um, the Nolan Center. Or a comedy club.
0: Is this Texas yeah. or where? what geographic location?
1: Uh, Shoot, I've been in New York City, Syracuse, New York, St. Louis, Orlando. Orlando was a great big hall. I did a uh, thing with Bronx Obama. That was absolutely fun. All that was was picture. Uh, and, and Bronx told me, MJ, stop the comedy. Two minutes, scripted. Then it's handshaking. And picture taken. So all we did there was handshaking and picture taken. That was just so much fun. You know, it's a big hall they rented. They were doing a straw poll. That was fabulous. A few weeks back, I was up at the VFW Hall in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, before that, uh, I did a citizenship party in Houston where they rented a uh, was a place where they do a lot of weddings at. You know, so it's all, all different. You know, I mean, in town, we've got Laugh Out Loud Club. We've got Jokesters. We've got, uh, you know, a couple of little places that do mics and stuff. You know, I would say it's just a big variety. Any room, anywhere where there's a microphone. And then I, I got this out of the comedy Bible also. Testify on the street corner. Yeah. you know, And I do this sometimes and it blows everybody away. Like if I'm waiting, like I'm waiting for my Secret Service guy at Chili's down the street from where the gig is. I'll start practicing the routine on the curb. You know, you've seen people testify with the Bible stuff. And where I I don't know where if I got that from the comedy Bible or what, but if you believe in yourself and you believe in your comedy, you can stand up and do it anywhere. And it's a terrific exercise because people will walk by and go, What the heck is going on? And if you can gather a crowd, that's even better.
0: Now, going back to the things with your sister and your dad. How does it feel when someone you care about doesn't talk to you just because of what you think about politics?
1: Well, I'm not sure how it feels the, the you know, I feel bad for my dad that he doesn't want to talk to me, you know, when the conversations are all real short and this and that. And then normally if they, we have a conversation, it's either about my health, like I went in the hospital a couple of times, we talk about that and, and leave the whole comedy out of this, out of the conversation. With his wife, we never talk about me doing the impersonation. You know, it's always about family, and you know how you know, like they moved and you know how they like in the new house and stuff like that. And you know, we just don't just don't even bring it up. You know, and it's a shame, but you know if they don't want to laugh, you know that that's fine with me.
0: So it's almost like don't tell me about your boyfriend. I don't want to know. Um, are you okay? I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Donald's escapades. You know, like billionaires. You know they. You know Melania ain't going anywhere. Everybody say like Melania is going to leave. Melania is not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere, are you, Melania? Uh, are you kidding uh-huh. me? Do you think I want to scrub my own toilet? Ridiculous. Exactly, exactly. You know, you do what you do. I just don't want to know about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of unwritten. and unwritten. Yeah, you know, that's the way it goes. Billionaire playboys do what billionaire playboys do. You know, but, you know, mostly all that was in the past, I believe, because the president, he can't do a thing right now, you know, without 700 million eyes on him.
0: Well, don't forget, we also have the the JFK room in the city, his secret entrance for Maryland. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. That little area where uh, Bill, Bill Clinton. Uh,
0: <laughs> I think he just did that right on the Oval Office desk or something. But my Donald said, oh, my God, that the cigars in the Oval Office still smell like poop tang.
1: Uh, yeah i quit smoking cigars
0: so what would be your advice to people maybe who don't get along with family because of what they think about politics they think one thing the family thinks another and you know it's hard for people to have conversations that actually have meaning what would your advice be to them
1: that's a hard road, man, trying to get, you know, people that, uh, you know, and again, I just don't understand the hate, you know, I mean, you used to be able to, you know, if you, you know, disagree, you know, uh, agree to disagree it, it is, is something, you know, that, that people used to be able to do. But I mean, in this political climate right now, it, the best thing to do is just avoid the conversation on that and talk about other things because you're not going to win. Uh, Right now, you're not going to win. You can't change people's getting this. This is heavy hate syndrome going on, you know, and it's just almost impossible to win, you know, and and like all these everybody that loved Hillary. I mean, for a minute, I thought about voting for Hillary. But if we'd have voted Hillary and there's a bigger scandal than what's going on now, you know, so.
0: Well, the world has many crises right now and no one can actually have meaningful conversation so what do we do, MJ? Uh,
1: we just—I like to use one of Trump's lines. We just fix it.
0: <laughs> but how we do we fix, fix it? if we can't talk? We, just, we can't we even have conversation it. without saying, "Go away, you stupid."
1: Yeah, it, it, there's a lot. I mean, it's hard. It's very hard. You know, people just have to have some patience. Uh, I see Trump doing this also, you know, you got to give up. just give a little bit, you know, I mean, the, the negotiations, you know, you, you stand fast, in a hard line for a minute, and then you hear the other guys deal, and then maybe you give in a little bit, you know, well, hey, what if we do, because I've done this with, uh, they had me on stage with the four, three different Bernie Sanders all attacking me, and I, I was like, okay, Bernie, you know, I'll make you Secretary of Education. You know, you've got all the ideas. I'm going to put you in charge of it. You know, and then every every attack that they threw at me, I just turned around at them. And it was like, okay, well, you know what? You might be right. You, I'm not sure if you're right or not, but let me put you in charge of that. You know, let, let's try your way and let's see what happens. And they really didn't know how to react. They thought I was going to fight them and argue with them on stage. And, and I just turned the other cheek.
0: But MJ, my trumps doesn't turn other cheek. <laughs> he just makes sure you <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, he, he yeah. deports
0: you before you yeah. can even get there.
1: He needs to take a lesson from me, I guess.
0: So basically you're going to go and um, give my Trump's advice. You brave yeah, man, yeah. You, you brave man.
1: It'd be, it'd be nice if he, uh, if he acknowledged who I was, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, do you know the White House did a call for entertainers for their Christmas decorations or celebration for my big celebration?
1: Oh, yeah. I no, I didn't know they were looking for entertainers.
0: Yes, well, mostly music, but maybe you can sing a song and get in and, and maybe try to tell my Trumps something. Yeah, yeah,
1: I can send in my new reel. I got a new five-minute reel that I'm putting out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I send them my new reel. We'll see. There's a few Trump impersonators out there, but uh, I think I've got the edge on what everybody else does. I mean, mine's just a little different. And a little, I don't know if it's a little more brash, or a little more friendly, or just a little more spot on, or what. But you know, of course, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the word is. You I'm know, partial to my own impersonation.
0: Yes, 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 yes.
1: You know, I've been told by several people, you know, that have been, you know, comics that have been out there for a while, that you know, hey, you know, out of all the people I've seen do Trump, I think you do it the best. You know, I love it. I, I'm waiting for another Trump impersonator contest, you know, because uh, I see one on YouTube from three or four or five years ago. You know, and the top guy is great. You know, the top three guys are great. You know, the bottom five guys, I'm not sure about any of those, you know, but, you know, I'd like to get in there. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I could get into the top three if, if I, you know, you know, if you find out about another contest or if anybody out there finds out about another yes. contest. Definitely get MJ Trump involved. Yes,
0: maybe and Melania too. I get in there. Yes. Give the judge. Okay, great. So thank you, MJ. Is there anything coming up or where can people find out more about your work?
1: Um, I'm on Gigmasters and Gig Salad, Gigmasters backslash MJ Trump. Or gig salad backslash MJ Trump. I've got a YouTube page. It's my my real name, Michael Filato. So it's Michael MJ Filato, and that Falato is musical. F-A-L-A-T-O- Falato, like Demario got Mr. Falato. Um, really, all you have to do is uh, Google, and it's real. It's kind of hard sometimes because MJ and Trump, both of those have a lot of SEO, you know. And there's a lot of MJ videos out there, and there's a bunch of uh, videos with Trump and MJ together. Oh so, but uh, like MJ Re- MJ Trump real, and M- Saturday Night Live with MJ Trump comes up. Uh, M.J. Trump bombs Korea. That one should come up pretty close to me.
0: Okay, great. All right, so we'll look for you soon. And thank you so much, M.J., for joining today.
1: Absolutely fantastic. Thank you
0: for having me, Melania. So, Melania, how did talking to a Donald impersonator go for you? It was be best. Okay. All right, I love your creative thinking side and your communication skills, Melania. Oh, thank you. Before we go into the I don't care do you segment, I'd like to do a few things. First, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It really, really helps other people find us. Second, I want to thank everyone who has made this podcast possible. Thank you to Sophia Reyes-Jones for editing to Devin Edwards for creating the intro, Maddie McLennan for making the podcast art, and a shout out to Alan Waters, Danny Holtz, and Craig Franson, who helped me to conceptualize this podcast. And of course, thank you to MJ Trump, Michael Filato, for being such a gracious guest. You can follow the podcast on my Twitter and Instagram, at Lauren L-O-G-I. And do consider signing up at laurenlogiecom slash podcast to get the free stuff from me and my guests. This episode, we're giving away a free prank. When you order my book Inside Melania, send me a screenshot and you will receive a prank, which means I will prank the person of your choice as Melania. You'll get the audio and the laughs that come with it. I just did one the other day. They are just so super fun. And It was actually a friendly one. Someone just wanted me to leave a voicemail for her friend. So take me up on it, order Inside Melania, and I will give you a free prank. Details are in the VIP group. And if you want to catch one of my shows, again, I do stand up in character as Melania Trump, and have a tour coming up next May and June, then go on over to laurenlogy.com slash shows and find out when to catch me live. Enjoy my list at laurenlogy.com to find out about the bonuses I'm offering with the pre-order of Inside Melania, like The Prank, which is one of them. Listen, we have to learn how to have public dialogue again. The world's on fire and we've got to talk about it. And there's no better way to understand the importance of this than by reading the headlines. So, Melania, give us the top headlines in the I Don't Care Do You segment. Here's all the things that I don't care do you about. Rush Limbaugh, who has been toxic to women and people of color, got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And I actually put it on his neck. Coronavirus is spreading. And last year's suicides in the Air Force were the highest they've
1: been in three decades. But I don't care, do you?